This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and our latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Blaine from the band Nashville Pussy. So we will be having that interview for part one and two of the show, and then we're going to be featuring two interviews from the year uh, this year that have been um, some of my favourites. So we're sort of the next few weeks we'll have a best of this year uh, interviews and things like that. So first off, we're going to be ha- having the interview with Sam Shepard from Imperial Slave, and then we'll be talking with Tony from Municipal Waste. But uh, as I said, first off, we're going to be talking with Blaine from the band. Nashville Pussy. Uh, before we do that, we're going to have two tracks, and then we will have the interview, uh, part one of the interview. First track that we're going to be featuring is the track, uh, where are we? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, High as Hell, and then after the first part, we'll have Hate and Whiskey.
I shit on the moon Cause I'm so high I gotta look down to see the sky I'm so high Couldn't come down if I tried talking with Blaine from the band Nashville Pussy. They are heading down to Australia for uh, four shows, uh, although there uh, seems to be a, a special show advertised. Yep, five shows all together. We got a show at Frankie's Pizza, last show ever. Oh, wicked. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a Motorhead cover band playing right before us. I think I'm going to do a song. And, uh, you know, there's Ryder. She's in the background. It's a radio hey, show. Nice to see you. Hey. The radio show. The radio show. We have the same dentist. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Good to see you. Yeah. That's the one. So we got, yeah, we got a, a fifth show. The, the Next to last night is a secret show. It's not secret anymore. And Frankie's <laughs> Pizza. Frankie's Pizza. And uh, we are, uh, um, uh, I'm going to sing a Motorhead song with the band before, I think. It's, should be crazy. Then, not, then, then the last night is Sydney. So, um, yeah, look, it's been a while, you know, it's been a while. So some of it's our fault. Some of it's not our fault, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all not our fault. <laughs> well, that's right. Fucking COVID really screwed a lot of people over, didn't it? Yeah, we were late, we were late in getting back there anyway. I think, no, actually, we were right on time. Man. We, we played there in 2017, I think, or 2000. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, COVID was fucked up. But, you know. Whatever. <laughs> exactly it, that. It, ha- it happened. It happened. It happened. Yeah. You know, what can you do? You well, know? the main thing is you're back out on the road, dude. You must be getting yeah. pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started go back uh, full time and like last May, I think. Uh, we started in Europe and we've been on the road since. Uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the road with my other band, Nine Pound Hammer, here and there, too. We've got a, I got a show in Kentucky. Uh, it's a Cal Punk band from uh, Kentucky before yeah. National Pussy. <clears throat> That's a really good band, but I'm, we got, I got shows with them too. So yeah, then we got like six months off uh, next year and then back to Europe, back to the grind. But it's been good, man. It's, yeah, definitely glad to get back and play music, you know. Yeah. People, good good crowds too. There's been good crowds everywhere. It's been, you know, it's been really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Everyone's glad to see each other again. Yeah. That's it, mate. I mean, it was, it was such a drag not getting to go to any shows or anything. It's, you know, and it, people are just itching to get out. Definitely, man. I was the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't as strict. It, it wasn't as strict here. Uh, yeah. So um, I got to go to basically all I've got to do is go to Kentucky and back. I'm here in Atlanta. We're here in Atlanta. I go to Kentucky and back, see my family, record some stuff, and knock on hammer and get tested and 
be safe. But I, I did get to get out on the road. It wasn't super crazy, but yeah. it's, it still was. It still was not. It still it's good to have things back to normal. Or you know, seriously, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, some of the shows that I've been talking to people about, and they, they say they've had to do seated shows and all that sort of shit. I mean, how can you go to a rock show and be seated? What does that mean? Like, uh, uh, like you <laughs> like with a mask on and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. They like had masks shows? and they were all had to be seated. And, and um, like, yeah. Seated. Uh, oh, seated. In a venue, man. Oh, seated. Oh, Jesus. Seated. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Bloody no, Kiwi no, accent. No. <laughs> yeah, I know my, my 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 accent too. I'm sure. Um, yeah, man, we didn't. We we were on we are on tour with a band called the Toadies, who were really big in America, and Reverend Horton Heat recently, and that got postponed a couple of times too, and mostly because like uh, all of a sudden in Chicago, you had to wear your mask and it stayed far apart, and everyone's like, we're gonna wait till everything's normal to get so we can have these normal shows, man. I don't really. I was. There was, they had opportunities beforehand to like do, you know, special shows. Everyone's far apart. I was like, I don't want to do that, man. I, I don't know. But as we wait, it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. You know. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. So, uh, 2018 was the last album that you guys did. Uh, so, is this sort of still a tour cycle for that? Uh, we did. We had a live record come out too. So, yeah, basically, I think uh, uh, we had not toured since we'd recorded that. No. Um, I think we, 2018, we haven't, I guess it is. We were on that. Yeah. We were still on that cycle when this happened. Yeah. So it put everything, it put everything back two years, basically, you know, basically that would have been the last place we were going for that tour. Last stage of that. Yeah. It's the last stage of the tour of the album we released three years, four years ago. Yeah. 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 It's still, still, yeah. I totally forgot about that record at this point. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, please eat you. Yeah, please eat you. Yeah, it's very, very good. And there's a live album he did since then called Eating Alive. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I guess that's what we're pushing. Yeah. That old, that old record from four years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it must feel a bit weird, you know, four years later, you're still doing that. Do you guys well, get out and write on the road or anything like that? Man, I don't write on the road hardly at all. I can write some stuff in my head, but I can't write. Uh, I can't write anything. Um, I don't write anything good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've party. written anything good on the road. I think I've written that and sleeping and uh, um, being having been hung off, partying, hungover, worrying about little stuff, being uncomfortable. Uh, you know, being or having fun, meeting people, talking to people instead of like usually when I write, it's kind of withdrawal. Yeah, sit around and uh, sit around the couch and watch uh, sports. Usually watch baseball and uh, just strum the guitar for hours and hours and hours. And yeah, I don't really do that on the road. So yeah, we finally I, I wrote some songs and during COVID from other band Nantown Hammer, and I wrote a few for Nashville Pussy. We'll probably record uh, maybe an EP. This 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 spring, you know, and yeah, you know, but uh, we're at the stage where I don't know we got a couple of good albums left in us, so but I don't want to do too many. Once you get yeah. once you get too old, man, I don't want I don't know I don't want to have like fifty albums out. Like uh, <laughs> <I don't wanna, laughs> what I almost I mean I like Elvis Costello and Lou Reed and people like that, but you know you look at their albums, there's like thirty nine of them. You're like, well, which one of these am I supposed to fucking buy, man? I don't know. It's like these and they, they run the gamut from life-changing to 
time wasting, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I know. So I try to make sure all of them are good. So uh, we got a couple left in us, man, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you talk about doing an EP. Is that sort of a, a reflection on the, 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 the way people are releasing music nowadays? Because, I mean, it's completely it is, it's, in the last few years. Eh? Well, I know. It's, it's, it's a, part of it is that because uh, when we do an album, uh, we got to get uh, like 13 songs together, at least 10 are originals. And then we, have, we go through uh, all this stuff about who's going to put it out uh, and scheduling uh and we go then we do pre-production with a guy named daniel ray a producer and we work on all the songs and then we go in and it just takes forever man and uh some of these you know modern people they put something out like that you know i mean they record it it's hard enough to get recorded and, and then you know if we put an ep and i schedule the songs and everything we might be able to get it out way sooner just have a handful of songs and uh not fuss over it to the point of where the albums are fussed over it's just you know because we fuss over the cover of the albums it's like it's just crazy yeah it's crazy how much work goes into like the artwork of an album now and everything gets delayed and no matter if we're already through with the recording the artwork delays things always it just gets by the time we do it some of these songs that i've written like two two years earlier and then and you start doing them, and then you only do you only do a handful of them on the live. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's not you know it's it's not a bad thing, but I just I'd rather have something immediate, man. I was I was watching that Beatles doc Beatles documentary Get Back, and the song Get Back they jammed on it in in the studio, and Paul McCartney's goes always put this as a single. We could have it out by Friday. It's like you can have it out by Friday. And what year is that? fucking 1968 yeah. and like you guys can record something and get it pressed i know they have a lot of power but man you couldn't yeah. i mean it takes so long by the era that natural pussy was uh making records in the 90s it was taking so long to get it to, uh, with the record companies to talk about producers and budget and this and that and then when you recorded they wanted you to record as many songs as possible on a cd and that it took it was a two year process, man. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't have some of the immediacy when we were younger. I mean, when Kiss was young, Kiss would put two albums out a year sometimes, and Kiss would like they go in record, they write the songs in like July, and then they go in uh, while they got off tour, they go in record in uh, August September. Albums out in November, and they're touring on it in December. I mean, that just seems way more exciting. I don't know. Yeah. So it is kind of like that. I wish we could just throw stuff out, you know, that day, the day we recorded it. Say, hey, man, this is good. And people do. I know people do. But, you know, old rockers don't as much. You know, <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. Well, you just have to I look at Metallica to... releasing that single just the other day, and that album's not out to April. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll probably be doing something like that, I'm sure. Here's a single. And then... You know, they, they might be writing that record right now, dude. <laughs> oh, apparently that's in can. All in the can, apparently, but yeah. All in the can. Yeah, it's all in the can. So they might have, I mean, so you might, if you're really into those guys, you might be one of the lucky few that hear, hear it. So they must have that thing on their lock and key from now until then, man. Well, apparently they're worried about money. that. I, they have every right to be worried about that, you know. <laughs> they're not, they're not, it's not something they're creating in their head. I mean, that could get out and... You know, uh, yeah, 
They can yeah. get out really easy, you know. Seriously, yeah. You must have people take a. I would, I would have. So okay, I play, and you, you know, they're playing it for their friends because that's what you do in music mostly at first. You play it for your friends. They must. You're probably getting their lifetime friends and family members to sign a non-disclosure act, yeah. and the right, the right to be sued if uh, you know criminal charges if they bring it to, the, you know. So you know, if one of those guys' brother-in-law accidentally loses a recording of it, man, they're probably going to go to jail. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy, eh? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, dude, I was surprised that they've got uh, something like City, which is like a um, a credit card that's sponsoring their bloody tour. I mean, dude, they, they must be multi-billionaires anyway. What the hell's going on there? Uh, they just, it's a, you know, they are multi-billionaires anyway, but it's like they they still hire people to make sure that they still, they still make sure that the tour makes a bunch of money everybody gets paid and and then there's like no doubt they can out have frills and it doesn't come out of their pocketbook you know yeah. they want to make money they want money they have money for a reason if it was me i'd say fuck it it's all free i've got so much money i'm all i'm already 60 something years old wherever they are yeah. probably my age around 60 yeah i'd say fuck it i'm fine free tour free booze but that's the reason they have money and I, a lot of money and I don't. That's the reason they have a lot, a lot of money and I only have a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah. I would. That's that's the first thing. Mean people like me and you would think. Oh, fuck it. You sold my publishing for three hundred million. I'm not charging. Everything's free. Yeah, yeah. You know, come. You know, free free album. You know, I that's what we would do. But that's not what the um, the U2s and the Metallicas. And uh, and and their elk do, and you know, and they if they wanted to, they probably have people stop them. That go, no, <laughs> it'd be it'd be if they did. We if they one of the guys in Metallica tried to do that, they'd have them certified insane, so he wouldn't be in charge of his finances. They would take it away from him. There's just so much money. There's so much money involved in all the, the big corporate bands, which they are. You know, uh, they're still rock. They still rock, but big corporate bands. There's so much money involved that if they're not making the money, someone's going to come and make it for them or, or take it or, you know, so yeah. that's got to be a pain in the ass. It worries, worried me out just thinking about the conversation. I couldn't imagine having that shit in your head all the time. If you're Metallica, like, oh, and I got to check my stock holes and the stock, my stock, stocks right now, wherever Wall, whatever that said, Wall Street shit. Yeah. I better test that, you know. Oh. Like oh man, I just had this Wall Street just crashed. Let's go do got to do a tour, you know, get our money back. So, got to meet new and got to meet some new some new people to invest our money with. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. That's it's not rock and roll, you know. It's not exactly. That's my point. Well, they're lucky motherfucker. Yeah, it's not rock and roll. It's not, you know, a credit card is not rock and roll whatsoever, man. Yeah, no. that was it. Well, just this morning they were doing a stream. I caught the the end of it or the start of it, and they were it was a Bitcoin. They were trying to sell Bitcoin, and they what they were doing was if you bought a Bitcoin, they would match it, and they would they were doing a twenty thousand um, Bitcoin bloody giveaway, and it was like what the f- dude, that's not rock and roll, man. So who is who was doing that? Well, this uh, is Metallica. Metallica. Yeah, Metallica was doing Bitcoin. Yeah, they were doing a Bitcoin thing a stream this morning. And they had a um, like a QR code you could scan, and it took you to buy Bitcoin. They, if you bought the Bitcoin, they were going to give you a certain amount back. It was like this is exactly what you've just been saying, mate. Oh my god! Exactly, it's that. nuts. 
<laughs> wow. See, I really, everyone didn't pay attention to him. So, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I just stumbled I never, upon it. It was like, what the I, hell? I never, I, I never held those guys too that high of esteem. Anyway, they rocked. That's for sure. And they were, you know, pioneers and stuff. But yep. who knows, man? They probably just have these rich friends. Like, oh my God, there's this big Bitcoin thing going on here in America. I don't barely can even can't even like describe what it was because I don't really know anything about it, but apparently it went to shit. So they might have their friends that are investing in Bitcoin, their other rich friends go, You gotta <laughs> do something. Hey, Metallica, Metallica the rescue. Yeah. It's the yeah. uh, yes, the rich the rich helping the rich, man. I mean, rich yeah. people are like a union. They really are. They are I uh, they are they're an easily formed union too. They try to keep the power, they try to keep the money and they'll try to rationalize they go, What's better than we have it because we're real charitable. Because other people can get it, you know, the, the, the conservative people or right-wingers that get it, no, you know, it's better that we have it, you know. Yeah, there's that shit going on like crazy. Well, I'll, you know, like I like, I got no bone to pick with uh, those guys, but uh, there's a Rich, Richie Blackmore documentary I happened to see last night yeah. on YouTube, and Lars is in it. Lars loves Deep Purple, man. He just, you know, it was his favorite band. And he said, you know, hey, man, it's a shame that Richie Blackmore doesn't get talked about much. And I'm like, well, you're hanging around the wrong people. Because yeah, <laughs> we, right. we, we sit around and talk about Deep Purple a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, you know, I mean, I maybe it's because we don't know modern music very well. I don't know, or whatever. But I was like, wow. So they're not talking about Deep Purple. They're talking about credit cards and Bitcoin. Exactly, uh, man. <laughs> it's like, so if they're, yeah, because they're, sit, they're sitting there getting their bit. Bitcoin speech together, and then Lars is like drifting off, thinking about Deep Purple. They're like, "Lars, get over here and talk about Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> get your get your head in the game. You're daydreaming about Richard Blackmore again. No, no, that's for when. That's for poor. That's for poor musicians. No, <laughs> <laughs> real musicians, mate. Real musicians. <laughs> yeah, but, it's uh, is there in between? You know, I still, yeah, I guess I'm still qualified as real if I don't know what a Bitcoin is. So. That's good. <laughs> Bloody oats, mate. Oh, you just get out there and play rock and roll, and that's what it's about, isn't it? Every time I see a picture of Bitcoin, it's always these gold coins. I remember when I was a kid, they used to have these chocolate. Go, just go. That's the first time I think I was like, hey, it looks like chocolate. Yeah. It looks yummy. It reminds <laughs> me of those chocolate coins. They were wrapped in gold. Yeah, and yeah. I used to like, love eating those things, man. So that's the first thing I think about. I was like, hey, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, you used to get a Bitcoin. bag of them at Christmas, eh? <laughs> yes, that was it. That's a, I, I always have a good feeling about it. So I see the little Bitcoin. I was like, ah, that looks like those chocolate things. I really want some chocolate. I want some chocolate. I don't think, hey, I can make some money. I just think, hey, I can spend a little bit of money and get some chocolate, which <laughs> I think is with that, which I like better personally. You know. Awesome, mate.
you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. Okay, and this is going to be the second part of the interview with Blaine from the band Nashville Pussy. First we're going to have the track Come On, Come On. Uh, then we'll have the second part of the interview and we will finish it off with the track She Keeps Me Coming and I Keep Going Back.
Yeah, we got digressed there, but so um, you talked a little bit earlier about um, when you come to writing the albums or writing your songs, you just sit down and watch some baseball and grab your guitar and all that sort of carry on. Um, yes. Is that how the band works completely? Or do you all come Yeah, that's how, I mean, you know, I have to come up with uh, the riffs a lot of times. I come up with the main riffs, which are hard to come by. You have to put your time in. I can think of lyrics while I'm driving down the road. And Ryder writes on stuff on top of it, but I got to come up with uh, not all, but most of the basic ones. And uh, I come and I I thought I invented sitting there watching sports while I and I just was in the D.O. lately. I just recently got in the D.O. at age fifty nine here. And uh, <laughs> seriously, he's great. He's <laughs> great. Wow, that guy's amazing. I see. I didn't like him for a long time, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's great." Anyway, he did the same thing. He was, um, he was just a dude. He smoked, smoked weed, drank beer, and he had like a little man cave, a little bar where he had big his sports, and he just sat there and played. And he wrote during sporting events all day long. He would sit there and just write during watch sports, watching sports anyway. Might as well have a guitar in your hand. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. I came up with a few good ones. A lot of times it's because you're strumming and you're not like sitting there. I got to write a good song. Sometimes you're just strumming and you're doing the same little, you know, overused runs you do or the chords. And you'll hit a mistake or you'll hit something different and you'll go, oh. There we go. That was cool. Yeah, and then I get my phone. Uh, I get my phone, and I put a voice memo of it. I record it. And the best thing about this technology, this brilliant technology, brilliant technology we have, is that I would get, I will find the good riffs, and I'll edit it. You can edit it on your phone in the voice memos, and I will send it text it to. I will text them to the band members, usually the bass player, drummer. Because Ryder hears it when I'm doing it anyway. And I just say, I'm going to send you ideas. If you don't like it, don't write back. I don't want to hear it if you don't like it. Because I'm going to just make you mad. If you do like something to, to the point where you can see playing this, you know, in our case, too, you, you, you have to be something you want to play a couple hundred times. Because we play, you're going to play it at gigs. Or when you record something, you got to listen to it back over and over again so it's got to be good so it's like i'll send a text out this voice memo and say hey man you like this and if they do they're right back and i put those in like a folder in my phone and while i'm on tour and i'm bored and I'll, i don't sit around and watch tv or anything so i'll sit there and go through my stuff and yeah but i try to get as much stuff together before i bring the band in um because the national pussy can get a little too jammy sometimes and uh, that's kind of my job to rein that in. Also, a producer, Daniel Ray, who was Ramon's producer. So he really reins it in, you know. So anyway, yeah. So I, I watch baseball all the time anyway and basketball. I don't, yeah. And so I might as well have a guitar in my hand. Awesome, man. That sort of leads to kind of, you've kind of answered it really. But I mean, how does the music come to you? Do, I mean, is it something where you're just strumming away? Or I mean, do you hear stuff yeah. in your head? Man, I'm not. I, I, I'm not writer will hear stuff in her head and and then she'll go play it. I don't really hear stuff in my head or I, I, only what I do hear is while hear like a little vocal little vocal a hook uh, rhythm and then I'll sing that into the phone but you know mostly I just surround strong 
because yeah. uh, uh, Nashville Pussy, I tried when we started doing it originally, it was very punk, and all the songs were like me going strumming and me just hitting them, <laughs> you know. And I was like, man, I listened back to this and I was like, back to the you know, the first record is a great record, but I was listening back to it when we did it, and we we're like. Shit, we're a punk band. I don't know if I like being. I don't know if I want to be in a punk band. I've been been in punk bands all my life, so I tried to make um, kind of a riff like ACDC does because we're ACDC. They'll have a riff and stuff, and then Bon Scott will uh, sing something different than the than the riff. He'll say, "Yeah," kind of way way uh, Dio did, and uh, and too. It's like you sing something totally different. So I gotta write. I write the stuff, and then. Um, uh, basically, I, I think uh, I will hand over the guitar to our producer, and he'll jam, he'll play, and when we, and I'll I'll sing, and I'll make up a mel- I'll make up a melody or something like that. It's kind of a last minute thing. I usually have lyrics first because if lyrics are, I'm really picky about lyrics since I have to sing them over and over and over again. So it's got to be a cool song title. I try not to be too cliche or make or or anything like that. So yeah, so I. I Basically, yeah, man. I, it kind of hodgepodge of what comes to me, man. I don't have like this. I don't wake up like you know, I like that Keith Richards thing where he woke up and he heard the riff for satisfaction in his head. Yeah. Now I've never had one. I've never had one of those. <laughs> Waiting for it, maybe one day, man. It'll be <laughs> on my dead bed. It'll be in my deathbed or something. It'll be like that. Way too. Old. It'll be. I'll be really old in some old folks' home, and then it'll start coming and. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be like, like, I'll be going, give me a guitar. And they're like, oh, that old guy wants his guitar again. He's, uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, brilliant, mate. So what would you say is your, your first recollection of musical? What was the first thing that sort of you heard that made you want to become a musician? Uh, well, my first, my, uh, I was lucky enough to, my, my great aunt, which is my, uh, my grandmother, my grandmother, Jeffy in Kentucky. Henderson, Kentucky, her sister, Leela, and, and her husband, Bub. So my Aunt Leela, Uncle Bub, uh, opened a record store shop in 1960 in Henderson, Kentucky. It was really small, and, and had, but it carried everything. And they had like a little sign in the, in the window where they had to write down the top 20 in chalk, 20 top 20 hits, you know. Old school record shops are really small. And I, my first memories is like when I was three in 1967 was being there and uh I, they gave me uh sammy sham the pharaohs woolly bully uh that was like that was that kind of stuff a lot of um a lot of 60s garage stuff bubblegum stuff a lot of bubblegum um you know uh, and then you know, old rock and roll my uh i was exposed to all kinds of stuff going to the record shop and my parents listened to 50s music but i saw kiss in 1976 Wow. On a destroy and this destroyer tour as my first concert. I was twelve years old. I was twelve years old, and uh, my parents. I mean, Kiss was controversial back there. And this is I was from Owensboro, Kentucky. My family was church going, oh, Southern yeah. Baptist, Southern Baptist sports enthusiast, and very, very normal. I mean, uh, cool but normal. And then Kiss was real controversial, and they didn't know what Kiss was. And we just moved into a new neighborhood. And uh, my and I had made a new friend, and he goes, "Hey, we got I got kiss tickets." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm scared!" And my parents go, "Made me go." They didn't <laughs> know what it was. 
but they were always insisting on me having new friends. So they go, mm. you have to go to the show. And they'd gone to a, a, a concert a month earlier, the Four Seasons. And they <laughs> thought it was going to be like that. <laughs> and then, uh, seriously. And they said, well, wear something nice. Wear your church clothes. <laughs> and, seriously. I had to tuck in my shirt to go to the Kiss concert. But I got in, you know. So we, <laughs> we uh, only thing they told me was, like, you got to be careful. Because hippies will uh, come by and drop acid in your Coca-Cola to see you flip out. So, uh, so you know, make sure that when you buy Dr. Pepper that you put your hand over the Coke the whole time because someone's going to drop some acid in it. So, man, I was 12 years old going to Kiss back when I was, we were the youngest people there. And everyone's smoking and drinking Jack Daniels bottles. And, you know, the, the whole thing started late. I don't know if it was a school night or not, but. Basically, back in the day, my parents sent me to go to where they think I might be dosed on acid. But just be careful <laughs> how times have changed, man. I mean, I can't imagine people sending their kids to something like that now at all. But anyway, that, that was a big deal. And my the biggest deal, sorry for the long answer, but the biggest deal of me getting a guitar, believe it or not, I saw Bruce Springsteen in 1981 when I was 17. And uh, he just looked like he had it all figured out. This is a river tour. He was still yeah. rock and roll. Not, no, it's not hard rock, but it was still rock and roll enough and yeah. tones to where it still translated to me, you know. And I was like, wow. And, and I thought he was, he looked like he was having a blast. And he was on the last day of a year and a half run tour and he was having a blast and he had it all figured out. He was smiling the whole time, man. And I was 17 and sensitive and looking for an answer in life and just got my heart broke the first verse real time and it was just the whole thing it was like seeing god or something so yep. that was a big revelation so i went and got a guitar a few months after that then after then of course i fell into the ramones ramones camp that was me you know so as soon as i learned i could play ramones really style real easy i just went to that because i was like because i'd heard it so much so i was like oh it came ramones and chuck berry johnny thunder stuff came to me like that because yep. i could someone would show me other stuff and i was like i can't you know but that was like boom oh blitzkrieg bop i could play that with someone showing a play i played it within seconds i was like yeah. oh they're like holy shit I'm like yeah and i know knew how to set the tone of my aunt to sound like the ramones so i just did that i still basically just do that you know it's still just acdc meets ramones you know awesome mate and that's absolutely brilliant um i've only got a few minutes left with you so ah sorry you got me when I just got hot, so I just got my coffee and just got hot. So, hope I didn't. Oh, right. It's yeah, been and, a bloody brilliant I... conversation, too. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, man. I always, always think so. I just hope the other people do, too. Yeah. Oh, dude, I absolutely loved it, mate. And sadly, we've oh, already... right on, mate. Oh, right on. I've got one more question for you before we sure, do sure, let you sure. go, though. Um, and you can take as long as you like. But, um, words of advice for young musicians practice man uh swear to god i mean i never i thought i was going to especially since i was doing like ramones and stuff that came easy i always thought well i can do this kind of music that take a lot of practice well no nah, man the more you practice the better you get just work at it work at it work at it work at it and if people will tell you oh it's not a good time to be a musician well they always say that and um you know well even when it was a good time there was a lot of comp there's more competition like every motherfucker Oh, if I can say that in the world had a guitar in the seventies. I mean, there were so many kids on my block. Everyone got one. 
most people quit within the first two weeks. And most people realize when they, that they weren't, you know, you had to practice your ass off just to be the best guy on your block, much less the best guy in the town and stuff. So there was more competition. There is less competition now. So, yeah, I go get it, go work at it, man. Just work at it and express yourself, keep, you know, all the, all the basic stuff. Like, you know, I mean, if you look at, you know, we're not Metallica, obviously. Um, uh, uh, Thank God. But, but yeah, thank Christ, man. I think, yeah, or blame Christ. Yeah, he stays up there. You know, he's, uh, you know, I kind of kept it pure. And I, when you know, when I'm gone, they look at all the albums that I put out with uh, in Natural Pussy and Knock on Hammer and anything else we did. And they're going to go, well, this rocks. It's not like a big drop off point where, like, oh, this is with the Bitcoin era. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, I don't know. It's just so much money involved in that kind of stuff, man. You just got to, that's a distraction. You know, yeah. I think younger, I think younger people having lower expectations of, uh, you know, of what's going to happen with them in music, like they're not going to get rich or whatever. Mike Keen thing might, might be good. To, they might be good. Maybe they'll keep it truer, but still work as hard as you can. If you can make a living at it. Yeah. You're golden, man. That seriously. Cause I, no matter who, what biography I read, uh, even it could be out of Springsteen or whoever, the moment they start making a living at it, and this is back when no one knew them, but there's a moment when so they started making a living at it after all these years, you know, that they go, this is possible now. You know, okay, cool. Now, don't have to have a job. Yeah, because that's the main thing. I don't care if you're Merle Haggard or you're like an old blues guy. The idea back in the day was like anything to keep the, uh, uh, pickaxe out of my hand well anything to keep me out of coal mines and cotton fields uh i'm gonna do and uh i'm going for it and you'd be a fool and going working hard at it you know same thing with me anything to keep me out of the even working at a restaurant or being in a cubicle somewhere man i was you know then you're successful man yeah yeah that's it
If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle 2 People's Radio. G'day, welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Matt from the band Sinner. And we also talked to Tony from the band Municipal Waste. Uh, we'll first all kick off with that uh, Tony interview. Um, but first, before we do that, we're going to have the latest, uh, well, one of the latest singles off their newest album, which is about to come out very shortly, Electrified Brain. Uh, and it's that title track, Electrified Brain. After the interview, we'll have the, another one of their singles, High Speed Steel, for you to listen to. Let me with the charge, the multi-team 
dude, I mean, is this like your first show back since you got since the break? Yeah, this has been like our fifth tour now. We've done so much shit. Like, yeah. We did a tour with the Circle Jerks. We did a run with Crowbar. Um, we're on tour with Integrity right now. We did a tour with Volbeat. Yeah, we've been we've been busy. We've been busy. <laughs> oh, mate, that's awesome. How were those Volbeat guys to work with? They would must have been a bit of fun. They were fun. That was a short tour. That was about a week long. Um, they were nice. Yeah, it was like fucking are- not arenas, but like really big rooms. Like that band's real popular. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all day, eh? and, and then they came. They came over with Ghost, so that's been a lot of it, eh? Oh God, yeah, that's probably huge, right? Yeah, man, awesome. Anyway, you guys are about to come out with your newest album, Electrified Brain, on July the first. That's just over a week away. You must be absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, we're fucking stoked. We we can finally start playing the new songs live so that's great it's going over good people love them um it just seems like there's a lot of hype around the record which is like a fucking great thing it's like it's always stressful to uh put out a new record it's like putting out your baby into the world and everyone and then everyone judges it (laughs) well that's right how long have you had to sit on this one for oh we sat on it for about a year a little less, but um, when we say sat on it, we were like writing it. We didn't really like, we didn't like turn it in and the label just like kept it. We, we, we just kept reworking shit, working on it. And then, and then finally we were like, probably like six months ago, we're like, okay, it's done. Here you go. You know, like, so we, we sat, we sat on the songs for about a year, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, write, writing songs, that was about two to three years, yeah. Oh, wait, that's awesome. Sorry, so can, tell us a little bit about that, sorry. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's chaos backstage over here. It's fucking... <laughs> oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. I love that. What's that vehicle behind you? That looks really cool. The orange 666 on it. Oh, is it 666? Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's like a lift. Like um, like I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, that's a flip. Everybody's awesome, security man. here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Very cool. So you guys have released about three singles so far, but you, the video for Electrified Brain, dude, that's absolutely killer, man. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we had um, this guy, Norman Cabrera. He's like the guy, he's been doing shit forever, dude. He's worked on like so many different horror movies. He's actually the guy who carved the Danzig belt buckle. Do you know, oh, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and he worked on, he worked on some Danzig videos and back in the day and he, he works on like every fucking horror movie. Like if you look on IMDB, it's like he did kill Bill, attack the block, fucking uh, all those, all those new movies. I mean, it's, it's like hundreds of movies. It's crazy. It's just like special effects master. And he, he worked with, with um, Rick Baker yeah, I mean, so he called in a lot of favors to do a video for us, and it, it came out super rad. Like, we couldn't be happier with it. Oh, dude, it absolutely rocks, eh, man? Um, yeah, yeah. So the other thing, I mean, your cover art, dude, you guys always have absolutely brilliant cover art. Who does your cover art, mate? That just, dude, this newest one is cool, man. Oh, the new, the new one's this guy, James. 
uh, Bruce Bosima. He's from Las Vegas. Um, yeah, we were we were just pointed in his direction. And somebody said, "Oh, this guy's like a really big fan, and he, he's really fun to work with." Um, so we we're like, "All right, we checked it out." And I was like, "Oh shit, I bet he would be perfect for this idea." And uh, yeah, he hit a home run for sure. Like Ryan came up with a concept of the guitar, like going through the brain. And uh, he just fucking went hog wild on it. He couldn't be happier. <laughs> oh, mate, it's absolutely killer, man. So could you tell us a little bit about your writing and recording process? I mean, you said that you guys started writing about two or three years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, about three, I would say. We started writing. Oh, it was weird. You know, we started writing and then, you know, we were, we were about over halfway done writing and then, like, COVID happened, of course. And then, so we were, like, getting ready to finish up a rushed record and we threw away a couple of songs that we thought were good, but weren't good enough. Uh, it was just a lot of shit that wasn't really finished. We knew we were going to have to come back and work on it. And then uh, once COVID happened, it was like, well, guess you're not going on tour. So you might as well just take your time. So we did. And I think it benefited the record for sure. Like we were able to like focus on the, the so- songs that we didn't even think we're going to make it on the record, write a few more, um, just tweak shit, rewrite, rewrite lyrics, you know, it just, you know, it was just kind of like a clean slate, like for writing. So going back into it was really cool. Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer, man. So could you tell us a little bit about your lyrical content? Cause I understand you bring characters like the, the deaf ripper back and, um, I was reading something about that you got a whole lot of Kurt Russell material. What's the story there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was like a running joke from when we first started the band. We wrote a, a Kurt Russell tribute record called Tango and Thrash. <laughs> <laughs> That's killer, man. Uh, literally as a joke of us like being drunk, sitting on the porch. <laughs> we should write a Kurt Russell tribute record. I'll call it Tango and Thrash. Everybody laughs. <laughs> four, four months later, we put it out like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> but um, so that's kind of how that started. And then it ended up, you know, growing in this thing that every couple records will have a song or two about a Kurt Russell movie. <laughs> and uh, those are some of my favorite Municipal Way songs, too. Just like writing, writing stuff about cool movies that we like. <laughs> Oh, that's it. I mean, it brings the, the element of fun into the band. I mean, and that's so important, isn't it? Exactly. They're cool stories, you know. I like the John. I like the thing, you know, John Carpenter. I don't know. All that stuff's like influential to us, like just from where we're coming from. So it's cool. Yeah, man. Well, well dude, the eighties were fucking awesome, weren't they? They were. They certainly were. <laughs> Awesome. So, could you tell us a little bit, of, a little bit more about the the, uh, the lyrics and, and how they come to you and your musical inspiration for that? <laughs> I was, I was just telling someone. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like, I guess like our perspective of writing is kind of like a trauma movie. <laughs> we like kind of create this weird trauma universe that's our own, you know, and it's kind of like that mixed with a little bit of like social commentary mix like the beastie boys and slayer perspective in there as well i don't know it's like we're all over the place but we also like 
to keep it somewhat positive and, and have a have a uh, more a less depressing angle with our metal music. So, but it definitely we definitely like to keep it extreme and absurd, you know. <laughs> Oh, mate, well, we all definitely need that sort of thing right now, don't we? I mean, it's been a pretty dark few years there. Right, yeah. It's been a weird one, right? Oh, it sure has, man. Um, just You were talking about uh, trauma back then, um, or trauma. Uh, you guys did a video with them years ago, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a headbanger face rip. That was, yeah, trauma. I mean, dude, that must be something. I mean, it must have been a trip, man. I mean, I love watching those movies. And, I mean, that's going back to, once again, the 80s and that cool time. Well, it was, it was very trauma because it was like, <laughs> it was it was very loose. The video shoot, they were just kind of like, here's a warehouse. We got a green screen. Go uh, over there and fucking play your song and we'll film it. They're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> And they did a bunch of crazy effects behind the blue screen. It was a fun day. And for us, we were, we were real young at the time. We were big trauma fans. So we were just loving it. We had shit eating grins on our face the whole time. We just having a blast. <laughs> oh, that's it. I mean, uh, it would have been a pretty special moment. Um, so anyway, back to this newest album. What would be your favorite song or the song you're most proud of so far? Oh, man, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I like uh, Demoralizer. And do you hear that fucking saxophone behind me? Uh, no, I can't, thankfully. Oh, it sounds like dog shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I like the song Crank the Heat because uh, it's like a summer song, you know? And right now it's hot as shit outside. and It's just kind of like a good parking lot. Drink a beer at a show in a parking lot kind of song. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, I think, is something that, that the world needs right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, that's, those are my, my two favorites. I like the singles, too. Um, the Let's Fry Brain is, is a killer song. Like, playing that song live has been, been really awesome. We've been playing that live on this tour, and the crowd response has been fucking killer. So, um, yeah, I like that. I like that one a lot, too. <laughs> Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer, man. I, I love that high-speed steel. That's got to be my favorite so far. Oh, dude, I love that. Oh, man. yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's, that's a really uh, killer track, man. Yeah, that's uh, our heavy metal ranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's absolutely killer, man. So, I mean, you guys are back out playing shows. I mean, it, it must be so good to be back out on the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been... <laughs> We've been doing them. We've been, we've been doing a bunch. It's it's still a little dangerous. And man, we fucking saw a bear get hit by a car today. Wow! Like a fucking grizzly bear. I think it was a black bear, but it was like fucking huge. And it was it ran across the car right in front of us, and it fucking got hit. And it just like we were. It was so sad. We were all like, we we're like, oh my god! And it was literally like right next to our fucking van, and it just wow. kind of like. It just laid there for a minute, and you could, you could see it was like moaning. It was like ah oh, fuck, you know, like, and then yeah. it kind of just got up, got up, and just like shook it off, and then walked off. Um, but that was that was fucking crazy. <laughs> I can't believe I I've never seen a fucking bear, much less see a bear get hit by a car. Wow, so that was fucking nuts, man. So yeah, touring, we're getting back to it, man. Crazy shit happens, and that's one of the things that happens. Yeah, man. 
Uh, it must be a huge vibe there today. I mean, you say you're at a festival today. It must be a huge vibe. What's the buzz like there? Oh, uh, wait, I, I couldn't hear you. When you say there's a fucking saxophone blasting in my fucking ear. I can't believe you can't hear that bullshit. Oh, I'm <laughs> extremely lucky, mate. Um, what's, what's the vibe there? I mean, it must be awesome to be at a big festival and all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, and this is a big one. Um, like Little Wayne's playing. And, and Anthrax is playing. We're playing right before Anthrax. This is like one of those crazy shows where it has the barricade that goes up the middle of the crowd. Oh, that's horrible. Those are, yeah, those are weird. So I haven't played a lot of those, but yeah, it's like that, though. It's real big. Um, so no, it's exciting, though. It doesn't fucking matter. We'll play anywhere, you know? We're going to have a good time. I mean, that's a crazy combo. Little Wayne and uh, Anthrax. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Modest Mouse is playing like across the field. Yeah. Like right right after our set. That's fucking weird. But you know, it keeps it interesting. You know, last night we played a fucking shitty bar with integrity, and now we're playing with fucking Lil Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm in fucking I feel like I'm in fucking Europe or something. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's absolutely insane well you've got uh, at the gates and um anthrax tours coming up yep that's the next thing we're doing after this um and that's like a month long and uh yeah that should be real fun i'm looking forward to touring with at the gates they're old friends of ours they took us out on one of our first tours when we started um with their other band the haunted there's a few of those dudes who were in the band at the time and then, um, and then we ended up doing a full U.S. tour at the gates back, that, back then. And that was like fucking 10 or 15 years ago. So um, it's just good to be around old friends again. So that should be real fun. Oh, mate. And going out with the Anthrax guys, mate, that'll be absolutely killer. Fuck yeah. We're, we're so excited to come back to Europe. And I was looking at those dates, like the U.K. shows, and they're going to be fucking awesome, man. We're going oh. to bring it. We're going to bring it. That's what we like to hear, man. So, I mean, you no guys fucking haven't... saxophones, baby. No saxophones. Oh, bugger that, mate. That's just uh, messed up, eh? Hey? <laughs> so, um, you guys have been down here since 2013, down to New Zealand. That's where I am. Um, any chance of you guys getting down here anytime soon? Oh, yeah. That was actually, yeah, I was just looking at that. That was like nine years ago or something, like, yeah, like this month, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we'd love to, we just got to figure it out, figure it out. But it is a very, um, a very real possibility. We just switched like our booking company. Um, and it's more global oriented and, uh, we've already had talks of like going to Australia. So maybe we can pop over there, drink some of your beer. <laughs> I would have love to have you again, mate. I mean, get out with the bullet boys again. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So just uh, before we get go, we've got a few more questions, but um, the release formats, you guys have got some really interesting stuff coming out, you know, tapes and uh, all sorts of cool vinyls. Yeah, we did a long box CD, like the lo- old school. Oh, wow, box. really? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was my favorite one. That's, that was an interesting flex. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we always do weird shit like that. Last record, we did a lunchbox like that was like you know the old uh, elementary school lunchbox with a yeah, thermos yeah. and shit. Oh, uh, wow, that was pretty cool. neat. Yeah, so we're trying. We try to keep 
have interesting collectible stuff because we're like record collectors ourselves and we're fucking nerds. So, you know, <laughs> we like to, we like to do it like that. <laughs> oh, mate, that's awesome, man. And the fans appreciate it, I tell you, man. I mean, we just love to have that sort of connection and have that fun. Yeah, I mean, because that's yeah. what I've been missing for a lot of the last few years is that fun. <laughs> yeah, we like to have a good time, man. I, I didn't really want to focus... I didn't want this record to be like a darker record or some shit that we're like, you know, that I would write music about being bummed out at home. And I would want to write some angry shit. I wanted to write a record that, that people were like excited to go outside again and have a good time and, and, and feel it. You know, I think people need that now. They need to go out and enjoy themselves again. It's been a long fucking, it's been a long, a rough time. (laughs) Oh, it sure has, man. And, and there's so many other people writing all those dark, depressing um, albums. So, yeah, we, we we need a lot more of that fun, uplifting, positive stuff, eh? <laughs> I feel like it's our civic duty to bring that to you. Fucking awesome, mate. Okay, yeah, I've got two last questions before we let you go. Iron Reagan, what's happening there? Uh, Iron Reagan's kind of on, on the back burner. I, I moved recently... Um, right before all this crazy pandemic shit happened, I moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. So that was, that was shit. That was like three years ago. And it was just, it's been so difficult to just even practice with municipal ace and be able to do like one full-time band that's 12 hours away from where I live, much less two. So we're all just kind of putting that on the back burner for a while until, until the time feels right. And we'll, we'll bring it back one day. Um, but right now it's not in the cards. I, I personally just don't have the time or mental, like, you know, mental time for it. You know, like, I feel like, um, it'll happen again one time, but right now, right now I've been working on a new band in where I live, like locally. So I can actually like practice with them in the room and not have to drive 12 hours to practice. So it's been really cool. I'm like, kind of jamming out with a couple of friends in, uh, in this Florida area. So that's, that's what's what I've been focusing more of my, my side project mind on right now. Oh, mate, that's absolutely killer, mate. Thank you. Okay. So I've got one last question for you before we let you go. And that is uh, words of advice for young musicians. Oh, um, I would just say like, you know, take your time writing don't fucking let labels or like managers or whatever the fuck there are nowadays like don't let people rush you into your creative process do everything on your time no matter what they say you know like you got to live with what you you got to live with the music you write for the rest of your life so just fucking take your time with it make sure it's done right and you're happy with it and then you can fucking live with it I wish that was something that we learned. I, I wish that was something we did when we first started. Because some of our very, very early, early recordings sound like dog shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, mate. But, I mean, that's it, though. You, you go back and look, and, I mean, things like the the raw rawness of, like, um, bloody rain and blood and things like that, you know, you, you can't, can't replicate that sort of thing. And, and it captures Rick a vibe. recorded rain and blood. <laughs> Well, it's, it's about, you know, that um, capturing that yeah, essence was, of the time. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I would see how, like, Hell Awaits, you know, like that fucking gritty, crazy sound. Yeah, it definitely does. 
um, the time when that represented us, we were very poor and we couldn't afford to record. So we rec <laughs> recorded in this really shitty, <laughs> shitty equipment. And it sounded real bad. <laughs> so that was the sign of the times for us. We rushed our writing and, and rushed our recording. And, and I regret that a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, mate. Like I say, it captures the time, mate. And it captures a moment as a band. It's, it's, it's like a screenshot, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. You feel the wash, you can't control your mind is blank. The person don't give it up, it's time to crank. The pump tools are interrupted. this show and others like it by giving a donation for more information go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal Metalheads Radio local national and international news, interviews, and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two Peoples Radio. G'day and welcome to Battle of Two Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we've got an extremely full show. 
uh, full of interviews. Uh, first up, we're going to have a chat with Sam Shepard from the band Imperial Slave. Uh, then we talk to Roy from the band Downset. Uh, that's actually a two-parter. Um, so that fills the next two sections. And lastly, uh, we talk to Peter um, from the band Halo Effect. Um, so very, very full show. Um, like I say, though, we're going to have um, the interview with Sam straight up. Uh, because it's such a long interview, we actually won't have any music. So we're going to kick straight into the interview. Enjoy G'day, we're talking with Sam Shepard from the band Imperial Slave. They released an album, uh, their debut album, just the, the end of last year, if I hopefully I got the timing right. Um, and then uh, they're currently on a uh, vinyl release tour at the moment. How are you going, Sam? Good, man. How are you? Uh, very good, mate. Absolute pleasure to talk to you. So you guys have been out playing a few shows and all that. How's the reaction been? Real good on this tour. It's been awesome. The We did a tour just as the album came out last year, but, you know, shows were getting cancelled and there wasn't correct turnouts everywhere, but this time it's been freaking awesome. Oh, mate, that's absolutely That's what we want to hear, man. Finally, the punters get out. <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they, they would have been going time. nuts. Yeah, well, I think it was like a week or two before the tour started that it was went into orange and everyone could go loose again. Oh, it's been a crazy time, hasn't it, man? Yeah, but it, it was pretty sweet for us because we were recording for most of it. And then when we finished the recording, we went into a massive lockdown, but the engineer could mix it at home. So everything kind of worked out, apart from the couple of cancelled shows last year. Oh, that's, that's bloody awesome. Yeah, we've been extremely lucky down here in New Zealand. Um, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, even though we've had this time, I mean, I'm lucky I get to talk to quite a lot of bands, and a lot of the bands just took the time. They they took the blessing of time um, on pu- on putting uh, their material together, and you know, the albums that are coming out at the moment, you know, are sort of like the fruits of all that hard labour, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. It would have been a lot harder for a band that was already up and running, and yep. had like a year's worth of shows booked and getting cancelled all the time, that would have sucked. But lucky for us, we're uh, new. <laughs> oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant. And, and you guys did a, um, a video um, recording show the other night at the Stomach, I understand. I mean, is that going to be um, something that you're going to do for just a particular song or are you going to release a long-form video? What, what are your plans there? That's bloody exciting. Um, it's the whole show filmed live, like uh, Radio Control does a live to air for bands and they it's paid for by New Zealand on air, but they usually do it in the studio and just have the band there. And so I asked them if they could come at night and film a whole show because we didn't really want to just have a, you know, just us standing in a studio playing it to be freaking boring. Yeah. <laughs> so not to say the other bands ones are boring, but uh we just wanted to do something different and took a bit of back and forth before everyone agreed to it, but it worked out and yeah, it was mean packed the place out and uh, it was cool. Oh, mate, that's always exciting to hear. I mean, it's good, especially for Palmy, man. You know, we've we've had some good times and we've had some bad times. It's, you know, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic to get the, the scene pumping again. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's a lot of cool bands here, good people. And, um, 
it's a good spot to be because you're right in the center of the country, you know. I yep. mean, well, the center of the main cities in the North Island. Well, you know, it's like not far to Wellington, not far to Napier, not far to Wanganui. So you can do all those places pretty close, pretty cheap. So that's cool. Well, that's it. I mean, it's only a hop, skip, and a jump to Auckland too. So, you know, you can cover cover the whole island pretty well. Um, you yeah. know, it's only, I mean, if you're going to be doing a show, you can head off in the morning and get up to Auckland for the night and, you know, you can be back in Napier the next night. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, man. So could you tell us a little bit about how you guys came together as a band? Um, it started with Sinead, really, because that's what I was doing before this. And I came because I was living in Europe and I came back to New Zealand to do another Sinead album with my brother, the vocalist, guitarist. And um, him and his wife had a baby, so he couldn't do anything for a while. So I just decided to start another band up to keep me going. And then all of this happened really quickly, got the guys together and, yeah, got the album out within a year, I think. Or just over a year from when we formed. It was July 2020, and then the album came out last October. And, yeah, it was just good timing with COVID and all of that shit. Nothing really held us back. So, yeah, it worked out pretty sweet. Well, you've got some amazing musicians here. You've got Isaac and you've got Ants, and, you know, both of them have been performing for some time. And, I mean, they're just amazing musicians. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, Ants must be loving working with you. Yeah. Yeah, we're all <laughs> working with each other, man. We're all fucking dickheads. All <laughs> middleheads, man. Yeah, <laughs> old school middleheads. All the guys have, have uh, been around for a while. Like Achilles is in Skits Hydro. They've done a... Uh, a couple of EPs, I think, and loads of shows. And Matt's been in, he's still in Tacoma as well, and Defeatus, and he's been in a bunch of other bands. But yeah, it's a cool group of guys. They're all mean musicians, and we all get along awesome. So it'd be good to do the next album where we're all writing it together. Oh, well, that was what I was going to ask you about, was the whole writing and recording process. Um, but I mean, I was watching beforehand and you were doing a lot of posts uh, before you sort of announced what you were doing. I got the impression that you did a lot of the writing for this album yourself. Yeah, for the first one, I'd I'd written everything, almost everything before, before the band was formed. So um, I I played the drums on the recording and then got the guys to learn the songs and then they added their bits like they do all their leads and stuff and Isaac added a lot of harmonies to the riffs and shit and changed a couple of riffs that I didn't really like and so it's because his knowledge of music is insane like he knows all the theory and I don't know what I'm doing I'm just like (laughs) that sounds good together do that but he knows all the all the fancy names for everything and knows exactly what to do without even trying it you know he just knows what to work and does it on the spot in the studio okay that's me next song so it's going to be way cooler writing with them because then i don't have to do it all (laughs) 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 it's fucking stressful Oh, well, that's a bit, I mean, like, I mean, it sounds like as a band, you guys have come together and, and, and bonded a lot more. And, and, and with that attitude, I mean, it's just going to progress the band so much more. 
Yeah, everyone's got a different style as well. I mean, we all want heavy, fast, aggressive shit, but everyone's coming from a different angle. So it's going to be really exciting to do this next album. But there's a bit of material already, but no, no songs structured or anything. But everyone's got like plenty of riffs. Oh, mate, that's what we want to hear. Absolutely brilliant. So tell us about changing roles, because, I mean, we've always known you as a drummer, but here you are the front man. I mean, that must be quite different. Yeah, it's real different. It's so much easier. He's <laughs> <laughs> yelling at people. It's awesome. It's, yeah. um, it's definitely weird. I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I do. It was kind of out of necessity because my shoulders fucked. My wrist is fucked. So um, I still play the drums every day because I'm teaching and still jam. I just couldn't tour like with Sinead. We were, when we were on tour in Europe, we'd do like 10 shows in a row and then a day off and then nine shows in a row. And yeah, I'm not sure if I could do that anymore. <laughs> so I took the easy way out and uh, became a vocalist. And yeah, I hardly even sweat now. It's nice. <laughs> Oh, but, oh, it'd be good to step out the front and you know, get some of that um, attention as well. That's the part I don't like. Because um, when you're drumming, well, I knew exactly what I was doing when I was drumming because I've been drumming since I was a kid and you're hidden behind this wall of metal. So now I'm out there on my own with not a guitar or anything to hide behind. So that's awkward. When I'm yelling, it's fine because I'm busy, but... In between, I just fuck off, get off the stage, watch the other guys. <laughs> oh, but the boys have got your back, mate. Oh, hell yeah. Exactly. So um, with the, uh, the fact that you did all, uh, all the, a lot of the writing and everything, um, can you tell us, how does the um, music come to you, if you know what I mean? How does, um, do you hear, like, when you're um, sort of maybe wandering around, maybe hear phrases or a complete song, or do you hear, because now you're, you're not just a drummer, you're um, obviously a multi-instrumentalist. Multi how do you, how does the music come to you? It's usually a riff or something. I'll have a riff in my head and it'll sound awesome and then I'll go on a guitar and it's like, that sounds like shit. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> keep trying to find what's in my head other times i'll have a riff and be playing it i'm not that good of a guitarist so i make a lot of mistakes and hit a wrong note and oh that sounds better so yeah. from being a bad guitarist it makes some of the riffs better because i can't play it properly and that's happened a lot where i've made a mistake and it's like whoa that's way better nice. and other times it's well one time i've got it from a vocal line i had one phrase and then wrote the music behind that. But usually it's just from mucking around on the guitar and collecting riffs and then just finding out which ones work together and yeah, structuring them. Oh mate, that's awesome. So with this particular album, what would you say is your your favorite song or the song that you're most proud of? Um probably Freedom Dies is the one I'm most proud of. I don't know if it's my favourite. I just like the structure of that. A lot of songs I've written in the past, after a few months or a year, and I listen back, and it's like the structuring's all wrong. There's too many verses or or whatever's wrong with these older songs that I did. But, yeah, 
I mean, I'm proud of the whole album because it was a lot of, I've never worked that hard on anything in my life. But um, favorite songs, it's different. It seems like my least favorite ones to hear are my favorite ones to to play live. <laughs> but live, everything's fun live. It's, that's what it's all about. Oh, but, yeah, there's um, also Liars Traders is one of my favorites and um, Confirm or Deny, um, Fear and Hate, Angled, all of them. All of them. They're all good to me. Oh, they're all good, mate. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's brilliant, man. So going back um, way back to you know, a little bit a uh, long time ago, what was your um, first recollection of music? I mean, was music always around in your household or you know, what was it that yeah. first inspired you to, to, to want to be a musician? I was just talking about this at the after party the other night. Um, the first memory of music I remember was Michael Jackson when Thriller had just come out. It was like 1982, so I would have been about four. And I remember that having an impact because the video of that was like horror and it was fucking yeah. cool. But um, that's just my first memory of music. My first inspiration, I think it was Dire Straits when I was like six or seven. I can't even remember the name of the song. Money for Nothing maybe that has the drum solo at the beginning and my dad was like, come and watch this. And we stood like a foot away from the TV and it had this drum solo with lights flashing and it was just really impressionable. And that's when I just wanted to be a drummer. It didn't really get me into music. It just, I just told people I wanted to be a drummer. And then when I was about 10, it was Led Zeppelin that made me really listen to music and become addicted to music. And uh, it was just Led Zeppelin for ages. I refused to like any other band because I thought it was cheating on Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so, um, but then I got into Iron Maiden. I was like, this is just too good. And then, yeah, then everything opened up. Then it was Megadeth next. And then Metallica and Slayer and Pantera and all that. And then Death Metal. <laughs> in, the 90s, in the 90s when... Um, Metallica went soft and I was a teenager. I was hoping they'd come out with some more thrash metal when Load came out. I was fucking disgusted. <laughs> and just went off into death metal and and uh, all the brutal shit. It's funny, just the other day I was looking on a, um, a, a Facebook page. I think it was even something to do with New Zealand heavy metal. And somebody posted up a meme about Metallica and... Um, I couldn't help myself because, you know, um, I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of mocking the the black, the black album and where it went from there. And and I sort of made a comment about it being, in my mind, a rock album after Injustice was a metal album. And the, the amount of anger I got for that. But uh, you see, to me, there's two types of Metallica fans. There's people that the first Metallica they ever heard was Into Sandman. And to, so that was their first ever impression of Metallica. But for some of us older dudes, you know, it was way before that, man. And, you know, Into Sandman is a, is a pop song. <laughs> well, Even though yeah, it was written by Lemmy. I start, <laughs> written by Lemmy. I started with Puppets. That was the latest album when I was listening. But that was because of Matt, my brother. He fucking loved it. And I'd, I listened to it and I wasn't really into it. I remember loving Leper Messiah, but none of it, it never really grabbed me. It wasn't until Rust in Peace came out that I got into the fast, thrashy shit. 
But oh, um, it's a killer album. Something special there. That's my favorite ever. That's the greatest. But um, I still love Metallica. I fucking absolutely love them. But it, I like the Black Album. It's just load. That's a fucking. <laughs> uh, I remember um, seeing the Until It Sleeps video and the horror. <laughs> it was like, yeah. what the? <laughs> yeah, I do. I remember. Going on I here, heard right? it. I heard it first on, I think it was the Hard, Fast and Heavy show on BFM in Auckland. Yeah. And it wasn't any of those three things. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, I, I listened to it and I thought, oh, okay, but then the video was just like, what the, you know, with the, the green eyeliner and the feather bowlers and it was just like, oh, dude, what the, anyway, we're getting sidetracked here. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love Metallica too. I love Metallica, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, I wanted to. I mean, we can't talk to you without talking about some of the old bands and, and Eight Foot. I mean, dude, a lot of people have some extremely fond memories of Eight Foot and you guys and your brother uh, and your involvement with Eight Foot. I mean, dude, you must have had some absolute blasts with them guys. Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy time because I joined just before the first album came out, and I think the first thing I did with them. I'm not sure. It might have been that video, though, the 8 Foot Steve video. I can't remember if that was just before or just after the first tour. But um, it must have been before because that tour was fucking big. And then it just kept growing and we just kept getting fucking good news all the time about playing the big day out and going overseas to play in, in the States and England. And we ended up playing with Children of Bottom in Texas and Soulfly in London at the Astoria. And just all this news just kept coming in. And we, well, they did like three albums in three years. I was there for three years, but just on the the, uh, second and third album. So it was a cool time. But um, the best time was after I left Eight Foot and we started Sonata again, because I'd come from Sonata and then joined Eight Foot, and then left to go back to Sinead. And it was me, my brother, Colonel, and Sean, and we were just all on the same page. It was just a real fucking team. It was a bit disjointed in Eight Foot. It was like, because I joined because I became friends with Justin Jackhammer, the singer. So it was me and him always hanging out together, and the other two always hanging out together. And then when Jack left and Matt come in, it was me and Matt hanging out together and the other two, like we'd travel in separate bands on that last tour. Oh, wow. And then me and Matt were like, well, let's just go do Sinek then. Cause it's just us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when the fun really began. That first five years of Sinek was fucking mayhem. And anyone on who was um, at after parties and shit from those tours will, would agree. I would say. <laughs> I, I remember that the last time I talked to you uh, doing an interview was way back in uh, 2012, and that was with Sonate. You were doing uh, an upper hut for that um, New Year's Eve uh, oh, festival. Yeah. Right and you, you guys were just on fire. Uh, you were, and um, I, I remember the interview was great uh, pleasure. You guys were just absolute laugh and brilliant, and we had so much fun. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't remember it. Must have been good. <laughs> I have no surprises there. You were all absolutely tanked. Uh, oh, it was yeah. close. It was close to midnight anyway, so I expected you to be. Um, and you guys were uh, yeah, absolute pleasure to talk to. It was it was, it was a blast. Oh, sweet. Good to hear it. <laughs> awesome, man. So, um, like you say, you were with Sinead overseas for quite some time, and, and you came back to New Zealand. Um, what was it like coming back to New Zealand after that, and, and why choose Palmy of all places? I didn't choose Palmy at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt was living here because um, that's where his wife is from, so I came here to write for the new Sinead record, and then ended up taking a while. So I got a job at the stomach. I was like, well, this is cool. That's a, a recording studio and a venue and a uh, practice room for the people who don't know. And it's an awesome job. It's barely a job. I shouldn't say that because <laughs> they might be watching. No. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking great job. And now I'm teaching as well at a music school. So and I've got a band here, so it looks like I'm staying. Oh, mate. Well, you know, we're absolutely proud to have you here, man. Uh, absolutely stoked. And, and and the stomach is something so <coughs> so cool, man. I mean, I, I remember it being formed in the very early days. And, um, dude, I remember Dave White, the guy that started it, wandering around. He was like this um, dude with, with a black leather jacket and um, big black mohawk. He was the only dude in Palmy with a mohawk. And it was, uh, yeah, this is in the 80s. It was so cool, man. <laughs> he was a legend. And so it's so good to see that the stomach is still going. I actually saw him at the Wellington gig on this tour. He was there. So uh, he's still got a mohawk, I think. Oh, he's just a legend, <laughs> man. Yeah, man. We used to play at the Fat Club that he owned in Nelson. So. Oh, I didn't know that he was part of the stomach until I started working there. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, the Fat Club was fucking awesome. I wish that was still there. So, mean venue. Oh, yeah. Well, well, the stomach is pretty awesome, too. I remember I've still got actually a poster of, um, I think it was around 93, uh, Pungent Stench. Oh, that's right. I heard they played there. That's fucking crazy. Oh, dude, I was only a young fella, mate. I was like 18. Um, or something like that, and I was. We hadn't had bugger all metal and palmy at that point, and yeah, that was one. Of, it was mind blowing, man. They were just so cool, and they didn't really have a stage back in those days either. So they were just in the corner of the room. <laughs> it was, was messy, man. I saw some of their tour dates. They did like I don't know, twelve or fifteen shows just in New Zealand, like all these small towns. Yep. Maybe it wasn't that many, but it was a lot more than any other band doing, you know, two or three. Oh, I think they played like Timaru and Invercargill yeah. and places like that, man. It was phenomenal. And, and they cool. came back, they did about three tours here um, in those really early years. I mean, dude, it was unheard of, really. There wasn't a lot of bands, I mean, uh, that were doing it. <coughs> um, yeah. It was really cool, though. Yeah, we played a show with them with Sinead, I think, or maybe with Eight Foot as well. I guess it would have been mid-2000s or something. Yeah. And then Sinead played a festival with them over in Germany as well. Oh, wow. Stuttgart, I think. Yeah, they're all over the place. It's fucking cool. Well, they're still going. to. Well, Shrenek's still going. He's still playing festivals at the moment. Oh, yeah, that's who we played with. It was him doing Pungent Stench. 
Oh, wicked, mate. Oh, we keep on, I keep on putting on all their posts that they put up. You know, come back to New Zealand, man. We'd love to have you. <laughs> yeah, it must have cost them a hell of a lot, but they keep doing it, so that's cool. That's right. I mean, I think, I mean, like, we still had, um, there was the odd band that would do it, like Carcass came through in the very early years um, and stuff like that. There was, some bands were doing it. It wasn't really until um, Gareth Craze came through and brought all those bands. Oh, yeah. that really pumped the scene. Um, yeah. That was and, awesome. and that's why I had to ask about Eight Foot as well, because you see, for me, Eight Foot really took the, the, the whole thing up a level. Um, you guys were in for inspiration for a lot of young people, um, and it, it just sort of helped build the the scene. Um, and I, I remember going to um, gigs and that. Just I went nuts over you guys. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and Snake, it was good how many people were coming out to the shows. That video really set everything off. Like really captured people's attention because I think it was like. It was in the top 10 for a few months on M2. So we got loads of exposure for that. And then the touring just got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was fucking, it was a crazy time. It was awesome. It was back when The Rock played metal. Exactly. Well, <laughs> the Green Man. used to play it because there was no, um, I don't know how it is now, but he just played whatever he wanted. Oh, mate, it was beautiful. I mean, I used to work in a kitchen in Palmy, um, and, you know, we'd have The Rock playing every night, and we'd all have these massive arguments over Metallica and stuff, and, and then the eight-foot would come on, oh, yeah, and everyone would be, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a beautiful time. Yeah, it was. I loved it. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Oh, well, we're starting to run out of time, so I've got um, a few questions for you before we let you go. Uh, first off, uh, upcoming shows. I know you've got, is it Whanganui and Napier this weekend? Yeah, this Friday's Napier at the Paisley stage with, um, oh, my God. Oh, you got it's Cavort, definitely Old Man Pine, Old Man Pine from Palmerston North. And my mate Phil's band, I always forget the name of his band. Invoke the Fury, that's it. Nice. And then in, uh, Saturday in Whanganui is with Cavort and Old Man Pine. And then oh. in two weeks, I think, June 25th, we've got the final show at the Castle, 789 in Palmy. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, mate. Yeah, so that's one everyone can drink at because the stomach <laughs> is all ages and, you know, it's better to have a drink. For, for me, <laughs> <laughs> too right, mate. <laughs> I've got one last question before we let you go. Um, Sam, I really appreciate your time here. Um, but words of advice for young musicians? Um, I don't know. Just play all the time and just forget about all the other bullshit that life has and just be focused on whatever it is that you want. Just stay focused. That's all it takes, I think, is an obsession. Oh, mate. That's absolutely brilliant advice. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, sorry, I do have one last question. Finding mm-hmm. CDs and vinyls, um, are we able to get them from you at the shows? Um, how else can we get them? Um, Border Music is our distribution company, so if it's not in a shop, you can just ask them, can you uh, order this through Border Music? But all the shows will have CDs, shirts, vinyls, cups and pens and weird shit. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. The music is in JB Hi-Fi 
Real Groovy Records, all of that shit. Vinyls as well? Yep. Oh, mate, absolutely brilliant. Everyone's got to have the vinyls, man. The vinyl's not in the stores yet, but um, we'll have a a release date soon for that. Absolutely fantastic. Sorry, man. But come to the shows. That's where we definitely have them. Mate, that's absolutely brilliant. So, punters, don't forget, Wanganui and Napier this weekend and Palmy in about two weeks. Hey, absolute pleasure to talk to you, Sam. Thank you so much for your time today. Sweet, man. Thank you. Cheers for um, keeping interest in the music and, and promoting bands.